Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. We'll be looking at two different readings, one from Matthew 8 and one from Matthew 14. And we'll make references to other Bible passages uh, along the way. You may want to write them down and make use of the notebook paper in front of you. And there should be something to write with close by. So first is Matthew chapter 8, the verses 23 to 27. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. Somebody have a page reference there? Page 1508. Page 1508. Hopefully that's correct. It works for you. Good. All right. Then Jesus got into the boat... And his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. This is um, the Sea of Galilee, which is about seven miles wide by uh, 13 miles long from north to south. So that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown He replied, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then keeping that passage in mind, let's move over to a few pages later, which is Matthew chapter 14. The verses 22 and following. Again, another story about being on the same uh, Sea of Galilee. And after uh, the context of feeding the 5,000 and performing that miracle, Jesus immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. So it'd be going from east to west about seven miles across at that point. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already considerable distance uh, from the land, uh, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. During the fourth watch, so this is between 3 and 6 a.m., obviously pre-dawn, fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, And came toward Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed in Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the country, surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged to let the sick touch, just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. I'd like to just ask a simple question. Uh, what are some of the things that we're afraid of? And I know some of you have masks. Uh, well, you all should have masks. But I'm going to ask you uh, and just say out loud, what are some of the things that people might be afraid of? Now, maybe it's not you personally, but, you know, other people maybe. But what are some of the things that uh, young and old might be afraid of? Death. Spiders. Spiders. Public speaking, still to this day, by the way, after almost 40 years. Yes. Go ahead. Others. What was that? COVID. Thank you. Tension between Russia and Ukraine right now in the news. Fights. Heights. That's where I, I'm, I'm, it must be my hearing but it's more likely the masks. Uh, but thank you. That's where we need to help each other. So heights. Yeah, for sure. Got to help me repeat it. Snakes. snakes. Yes. Snake, spiders, snakes. Obviously, the list can go on, right? And uh, we have different fears at different times of our life. Uh, some of them may be very rational, and we can identify them. Others might not be as rational, but that doesn't make it any less real to the person who's afraid. And you might try to say, well, it's a spider for crying out loud. Look at how big you are, and look how small it is. It doesn't matter. They're petrified of spiders. Look at that mouse or cockroach go. Can I ask you a question? Sure. I'm a new member to... Hello, I'm Bill Yeah, welcome. Um, I'm a new member here. Cool. No, I'm, I'm just talking about the theme, first of all, of fear. I'm talking like as you read the Bible. I'm like trying to read a wording. I want to make sure, sure that you're, are you skipping certain words or is there only a paragraph that you're No, certain parts I'll be focusing on more than others because we don't have too long. I'm not crazy, I'm still here. No, you're still here. And hopefully I'm not crazy either. <laughs> We're glad you're here as well. Fear is one of those things that can creep up, um, and what you do with it is very important to ask yourself, because the question is, uh, while we may not be able to entirely stop being afraid, are we going to live in fear? So to live with fear sometimes is a reality, and we need to think of how we respond to that. But to live in fear is to live in a state where our lives become so focused on the circumstances, so focused on what we're afraid of, that it starts to rob our joy, 
It starts to rob any idea of planning ahead with excitement towards the future because we're too afraid of the future. We're not naive. We know that last year was quite a year of records and many of them caused us uh, a level of anxiety, of worry, and of fear. And as we go into this year, some of that has a residue which carries over and it's hard to be entirely optimistic and full of faith as we step into 2022. The Bible addresses our fears in many ways. In the Old Testament, a lot of emphasis is on the fear of the Lord. That is more the reverence, the worship of God, that he is the Holy One, and we are completely dependent on him as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as our Lord. But also fear is mentioned sometimes where you think of the story of Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah must have been an incredibly attractive lady because he was always afraid that somebody might think of her as uh, his sister rather than his wife. Uh, and so basically, that's how he um, presented her in order that they wouldn't kill him to get to her. And it was because he was afraid. And David talks of his fears many times, uh, being tracked down by Saul, King Saul at that point. And uh, in Psalm 34, it speaks a number of times about being afraid. And yet, as he calls out to God, he rescued him from all his fears. And even when you look at the Bible as a whole, you find that there are people who are afraid behind the stories. There's people who are failing behind the stories, who are rebellious and sinful, and yet they're all there in the Bible. And what does God do with them? He still says to his people in Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Statements like that make us very much aware that God knows us in detail. Every part of our lives, all of our thoughts, all of our fears, all of our hopes, all of our desires for what is good and positive, but also all the things that drag us down. And we wonder, how are we going to work through that and survive with joy, let alone with faith? And I think this is especially personalized as Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament and where we find that one of the phrases he likes to use throughout, and Christmas time wasn't that long ago, and in the announcement of Jesus' birth, the angel showed up to Joseph. Don't be afraid to Zachariah. Don't be afraid to Mary. Don't be afraid to the um, shepherds in the field. Don't be afraid. It's an ongoing theme. It's not just because... It's the angels in all of their power and glory that obviously people would be overwhelmed by, but it's the very nature of the gospel is to penetrate our fears and to say, you do not need to be afraid. You do not have to let power, the power of fear overtake you. And so here it is with Jesus in his ministry 
where many times again we'll read statements like this. Don't be afraid, you are worth much more than many sparrows. Take heart, your sins are forgiven. I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough. Your Father knows what you need and cares for you. Don't be afraid, just believe your daughter will be well. Take courage, I'm here, from the text we read. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And on and on. So again, Jesus is fully aware that we are prone to fear. And fear can come up through some of the things we mentioned, but especially fear comes up when we are out of control of the circumstances, or at least we feel out of control. And there is danger or perceived danger, and we respond with fear. Fear by itself is neutral. It's neither positive or negative. It's part of what God has programmed into us. If there's danger, all of a sudden you're on high alert. Your adrenaline is going. Do I fight this or do I run? So fear has a real place within how God has made us. But there are fears that rob the joy and that uh, weaken the relationship that God wants to have with us as his children. In both of these stories, and I read them both because they both address the theme of faith over fear, but they do so from two different angles that I think are worth noting. When you look at the first one where Jesus comes... um, Uh, He's on the boat with them, and he's asleep. Uh, And meanwhile, the sudden storm comes up, which I guess is not unusual on the Sea of Galilee, just the positioning of the hills and the mountains, and uh, it's below sea level, and some of those factors all come together. So these these storms are out of the blue. They, They just come on them suddenly. And you have to understand that here are people who Uh, many of them are fishermen, so they know what it's like to be in a boat. They know what it's like to be in the storms and deal with it. But if you compare this passage to the others uh, in the other Gospels, you find that uh, the boat was ready to be swamped. It was in danger of of being overwhelmed. And so this wasn't just a little storm. Uh, These are seasoned fishermen, many of the disciples, and they were terrified. They thought, we're going to drown. And yet, The context, and that's what we want to spend just a bit of time on in both of these stories, the context is where Jesus has been healing, he's been demonstrating his power through casting out demons, Uh, he's been healing people with leprosy and other diseases, he's been teaching them the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about, don't worry about your life, Uh, you can't really change anything about how long you're going to live many times, and your father knows what you stand in need of. Uh, so that's all the context. And I can picture them saying, boy, that's a good sermon. That's really, really nice. Well, guess what? Now you're in the boat. It's ready to sink. Now about the sermon. They, they, they didn't understand that the power of Jesus was not just to teach or to heal, but it was a power over all creation. Even as Jesus said at the very end of his uh, life, before he ascended into heaven, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means the authority and power of Jesus over everything, all the things that you mentioned, over whatever political situation, whatever pandemic situation, 
whatever brokenness may be in our lives and it makes us afraid, even death itself, loneliness, failure, etc. Jesus has power over that situation. But they had to learn that. And Jesus was asleep. <laughs> wake up, wake up, don't you care for us? We're about to drown. <laughs> and basically he turns to them and said, oh, little faith. And it, it, it's, it seems a little harsh. I mean, any of us, when we're ready to drown, uh, would be afraid. But the context is, please learn now, disciples. They're on a journey of learning to believe, learning to strengthen their faith. And Jesus says, this is an example of exactly what I talked about. I have power, even here in this situation. And he simply rebukes the winds and the waves and everything is calm. And all of a sudden, wow, who is this man? We thought we knew, but we didn't know he had that kind of power and authority. And I want you to pause with the things that you're afraid of and ask yourself, to put it in perspective so that you see what you're afraid of and you see Christ's presence and authority over it. Satan would love for us to forget about that. And in the moment of when we're afraid, we do become forgetful of all the things that God has taught us in so many other ways and all the ways that he's been reliable and faithful to us in the past. All of a sudden, we just kind of forget about that. But we can grow in our faith and train ourselves to remember so that when we become afraid, we see it in context of all the faithfulness and all the promises that God has already given. And he will be faithful here and has power even over this. And so, yeah, are, are we afraid of the possibilities of war and famine? Are we afraid of losing our job? Are we afraid of having a baby or not having a baby? We're afraid for our parents. We're afraid for the sickness that we're facing. But put it in the context, first of all, of the authority that God has over that and has power over that. And that's a key thing of what was learned here. The other part is also very important because as Jesus then in the second story is on shore and he comes to them and it was a long day. I mean, they've been feeding 5,000. They've been doing teaching. It was a long, long day. And so Jesus stays behind, dismisses the crowds and has a time of prayer, recentering himself on his mission and the purpose of why he was there. And he did that a number of times within his ministry. But the disciples are way out there, probably halfway-ish. The Bible says in the middle. So if it's seven miles across, they're three and a half miles in. And Jesus walks the three and a half miles to get to them over the wind and waves. And what's the lesson here? What's the context? One of the contexts is that they had to learn that now it wasn't just a matter of Jesus' power over this storm, but that they, through faith, could share in the power of Jesus in that storm. You see, you see the difference? You, you see how 
Jesus is always, he's only got three years with these disciples. He's got a lot to pack in. <laughs> and it's all about how can we grow in our faith as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus. And so while the one focuses on the power of Jesus and authority of Jesus over all things of what we're afraid, here in this context, Jesus is saying, you are going to learn that by having faith in me, you will have my power in the storm. It must have been a revelation to them and one that totally took them by surprise. And so here's Jesus, and, and they're all afraid. They've been working all night. It's been a long day, probably pretty sleepless, some of them, as they're rowing, taking turns, etc. And they see Jesus there. Or they don't recognize him. They think it's a ghost. And then Peter, and it must have been the other disciples, you can pretty well imagine, you know, because Peter's pretty impetuous. He's always the first one to speak, the first one to jump in, for better or worse, or in this case, to jump out. And, uh, yeah. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. Now, Jesus knew what was going to happen to Peter. He saw that Peter was going to walk, and he knew that Peter was going to sink. And he still said, come. He wanted Peter to know, and the disciples as they're observing all of this, and for us today to know that in the circumstance, God has power to take away and rescue us from that circumstance, but other times he simply says, I will demonstrate my power to you in the circumstance. And it may be great and you'll shine, or you may just fall flat on your face, or at least it'll feel like that. But I am with you and my power is with you in the circumstance. And so we may critique uh, Peter about, you know, he failed and all the rest, and that's the focus. But hey, the dude walked on water. I haven't done that. You haven't done that. In that moment, his faith was so focused on Jesus, and if Jesus said, come, then it must be him. I see him on the water, waves all around, but I'm going. And maybe it wasn't very popular in the boat, but he did it anyway. And Jesus, after he begins to sink, uh, says, why did you doubt? I mean, you are doing it, Peter. <laughs> what would what, you doubt? And doubt literally means to be divided. So, on the one hand, he's single-minded and focused on Jesus, and then he sees the waves, he feels the wind, and he becomes divided, he doubts, and that's when he sinks. So, in this case too, Jesus is growing them in their faith, even as he does with us in our fears. But in both cases, please notice that as they call upon Jesus, whether together in the first story or Peter specifically in the second story, Jesus, save us, save me. They had the right perspective that in that moment they call upon Jesus and Jesus does respond 
in love and in authority. And that is what is so critical. It's why in Psalm 34, verse 3, that's where David recognizes, I called upon the Lord in this situation, and he delivered me from all my fears. It's the calling upon the Lord that is also so critical to our faith and how we grow in our faith. So maybe this would be what we can gather in our own minds as we look at this and look at other stories and our own fears. As we first of all remember the promises of God, his presence, his power, his provision, all of those things to bring that to mind in that moment. And in order to bring that to mind in the moments of our fear, we must bring them to mind before when we're not afraid. Otherwise, we won't remember them. But if we can train ourselves and choose to trust in the Lord now by developing our relationship with Him and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus with whatever the challenge may be, with whatever the fear may be in our life, whatever the plans may be, whatever our hopeful future may be, are our eyes fixed on Jesus? And are we training ourselves that as we slip to the side and we realize, I'm getting anxious, I'm getting worked up, and maybe you might not even notice it, maybe a friend or family member will say, you're getting worked up again, dear. That is such a cue for you to realize you're not focusing on Jesus the way you should. You need to backtrack and say, I'm focusing too much here. I need to focus instead on the one who has power over and power within the fear, challenge, anxiety, worry that I'm facing. To know that he speaks to me and says, I will save you. I will rescue you. I will be with you no matter what. I will never forsake you. And for the most part, to recognize again that when it comes to uh, our Christian mindset, it's so important that we follow what we read in Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where it simply states, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, it seems to go on and on. But listen, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you have learned, received, or heard from me, Paul writes, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, there needs to be, for you to grow in your faith over fear, a, an intentional choice to practice a mindset that is praiseworthy, honorable, and true. And that is tough. It's tough when, I don't want to harp too much on news, but our, the nature of our news, I don't think will be a shock to you, is quite alarmist-focused the music leading up to the particular cue, or the way in which they present it, it's like this next storm is coming to us and I don't know what we're going to do about it. You know, it. Is it real? Does it spark some level of concern? Absolutely. But the presentation is so alarmist. Your, your heartbeat is speeding up as 
the broadcast continues. And at some point, you realize, hold it, just a minute, this is serious. It's not to minimize the report in terms of the news itself, but the whole dramatization of the news, whatever your favorite channel may be, please just look at it from the point of view of dialing back the alarmist part. The conversations with, that you have with your friend, and I know COVID has just overshadowed so many of our conversations, but at the same time, that or whatever the conversation may be that might be robbing the life, the joy, the enthusiasm, to just pause that at the door, put it to the side and recognize these words. If I'm going to have faith over fear, whatever that fear may be, I need to train my mind, my conversations, my relationships with others, to build up what's good in life, what's coming up this week that we can hardly wait. Sure, inflation goes on, interest rates may go up. All of that, is that really anything new under the sun? But your response, that's a choice. And while faith is a gift through the Holy Spirit up to a point, it is a choice whether we will nurture it and embrace it and let it grow. So to fix our eyes on Jesus, to choose to trust in him and remember his faithfulness, to practice a Christian mindset, and then to pray. <laughs> to pray, that's first, middle, and last. It goes with addressing everything in the context of lifting this fear, anxiety, worry to the Lord. And just a word or two on that. It's so important that we name what we're afraid of, what we're anxious with. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we need to talk in community and even pray about it so God helps us understand what it is that we're afraid of. But when it comes to this, it's important that we recognize that we say what it is and we bring that to God. We bring our fears to the Lord, our worries, our anxieties, our questions for the future, our questions about death, our questions about forgiveness, all of those things for us to bring to the Lord. It helps put it in context, but it also does something else. And when it comes to the part of being able to, can I help you out there, bud? He's going to have a moment there. That's right. It's so important that we don't just bring it to God, but that we bring God to the fear. So I know we're distracted here for a moment, but try to stay with me. We obviously need to label what we're afraid of and bring that to God in prayer. But I also want you to think of it this way, to not just talk to God about our fears, but to talk to our fears about our God. And there's a very, very wonderful difference there. The one in weakness is bringing it to God and trusting that God in his love for us, in his desire for us to be his children, that he cares for us in every way. But as we bring our God and his faithfulness and his power to our fears, that's a different thing. That means that we then embrace 
the God who has made these promises. And now we are putting a choice into play, a choice to not let that fear be over me, but rather let God be over the fear. Both are important if we're to continue to grow in our faith and our walk with God. I think the gospel many times is all about forgiveness and love, but other times it's about challenge, about boldness. I know as a whole, as a church, uh, Pastor Steve is walking us through uh, the book of Acts, and maybe you're following along with that, or you're reading the chapters in between, because like he said, we, he can't cover it all. But I was reading in Acts chapter 4, where um, probably in the context of Jesus saying, when you're in front of people needing to give an account for me, don't be afraid, don't be worried about it, because the Holy Spirit is going to give you the right words at the right time. And sure enough, in Acts chapter 4, the words were given to the disciples in order to defend why they were following Jesus, even though they were told by the Jewish leaders not to. And so they're warned not to do that anymore, but they are going to do it anyway. They get together and have a prayer meeting with the early church, and at the end of that, the foundations of where they were meeting were shaken, and they were filled with boldness as they spread the good news of Jesus. So there is a wonderful peace and assurance that comes by recognizing that the Lord is Lord over all and he cares for us and he holds us. And if this is a time where you need to be held, know that you are by Jesus Christ and he will never leave you or forsake you. If you feel like you are alone, this is a time to realize you are not alone and to call to him and to ask that he draw near Bring maybe somebody else that cares for you in his name. But there's also a time to hear the gospel, get out of the boat. You are following in your mind a God who is way too safe. You are following a faith that is way too safe. You're only trusting in God and the things that are nice and safe that you can control around you. It's time for you to get out of the boat. And yes, you may stumble. We may stumble. But that is part of learning to trust. There is no other way. And so maybe this is a day where you, I would just ask you, are there certain things where you've had different ideas, different dreams, even nudges of the Spirit to do something? And I can't do that. I can't do that. I, people would laugh at me if I did that. I'm not going to do that. That's a stupid idea. Why would I do that? I wonder if you just reconsider that a moment, whatever that may be for you as a younger person or as an adult. Pray about it. What are the gifts and opportunities that God has given you? And be bold in your faith. Set aside your fear and see what God will do in you and through you as you take that risk and that step. Please join me in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you that you are a faithful God and loving to us in every way. And yes, we do stumble, and our faith is small, and imperfect. 
and yet we belong to you. And in spite of all of our faults, you come to us and say that you love us, you care for us, and you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to be renewed in the depth of our spirit of the truth and power of those words today. And that as we begin a new week and as we carry on in a new year, Lord, give us that kind of focused optimism, not in our strength, but in your strength, not in our insights, but in the insight of your word and your spirit at work in us and through us. Lord, you know us all so well. And so in this moment of, of taking a moment to be quiet, if there's a certain fear or anxiety or worry that just keeps on knocking at the door of your heart and in your life, I would ask that you bring it to the Lord right now. Just name what it is for you to have that private conversation. You can talk to him more about it later, but right now in this moment of worship, be honest with yourself. I'm, I'm still afraid of this, Lord. I'm still afraid. You have said in your word, Lord, that your grace is sufficient and that your power is made complete in weakness. And we acknowledge our weakness to you, Lord. But we desire to be faithful and we desire to stand in firm faith and to be strong in our faith for our children, for our grandchildren, for the sake of our communities. Help us, Lord, to stand up for you that your name will be honored and praised in our businesses, in our families, in our schools, in all the recreation that we do, in the enjoyment that we take in your creation. Lord, help us to stand up and be strong in the faith that conquers all fear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.